You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there. You're listening to Expat Property Story, and this is episode 77. The two aims of this three-part special are firstly to tell the true story of a mad couple of days in November 2022 in which we made £126,000 from two property deals. And secondly, to draw your attention to our fantastic new website, complete with our more professional-looking logo as we set our sights on taking our property business to the next level. These episodes will hopefully provide some valuable insights and inspiration to apply to your own property story. So if you take a look at www.expatpropertystory.com, you'll be able to see pictures of some of our properties, as well as our links to our blogs, podcast episodes, reviews, and testimonials from our private investors. You can also see details of our property portfolio, which now has a GDV of £3 million plus, which sounds impressive, but we still don't have our dream family home and we still haven't replaced our income in cash flow terms. So we're still not ready to move to our ultimate plan of being financially independent and in a position to do something to help refugees, which is something that I talk about here from time to time to keep ourselves accountable. And on our new website, if you click subscribe in the top right-hand corner of the homepage, you'll be able to sign up to our long-awaited, long-promised and long-overdue newsletter, which is also being released this week. So if you subscribe before, thank you for your patience, apologies for the delay, and I hope it's worth the wait. I made a promise to all those who have already signed up that I'd send them a copy of my Guide to Analyzing Auction Deals, which is a 23-point process that I use for assessing potential auction purchases. This process has been carefully honed and refined from my own experiences of looking through thousands of auction lots and scrutinising hundreds of legal packs in the last year. So if you join or have already joined our mailing list, you will receive that free PDF and as an added incentive for subscribing, we're giving you the chance to win an Amazon best-selling book on property. Back when our episodes were named after songs, before we sold out to the gods of search engine optimization, episode 14 was titled we Can Network It Out, and featured friend of the pod, Bronwyn Vernkum. Bronwyn, who regularly contributes to our African downloads as she takes time out from her adventures in Tanzania and Zanzibar to listen to the show, is the author of Building Your Dream Life, How Property Can Help You Quit the Rat Race. Bronwyn has kindly offered to donate five copies of her book for free. Now, because postage can be expensive to places we have listeners in, such as the Solomon Islands, the Falklands, and the Turks and Caicos Islands, if you live outside the UK, then Bronwyn will send you a PDF. But we also have lots of listeners in the UK, and if you're one of the lucky ones, you'll get a hard copy and you won't even have to pay for postage. So we're collecting the names of all our mailing list subscribers, and the first five lucky names out of the hat will receive a free copy of Bronwyn's book. All you have to do is sign up to our mailing list if you haven't already done so, and leave an honest review of Bronwyn's book on Amazon. So, what have you got to lose? You can always unsubscribe if you don't like the emails you receive, and unlike the majority of mailing list subscription offers, we promise not to bombard you with emails every other day and clutter up your inbox. So what can you expect to receive by joining our community? Initially, at least, there will be one newsletter per month containing news relating to property investment with a focus on expats and remote investors, although the information will also be useful if you're based in the UK. And this month, there's a summary of the state of the UK property auction market 
as provided by the Essential Information Group, the resource for those buying or selling at auction. And there's lots more to check out at our shiny new website, so come on down to www.expatpropertystory.com. Back to the true tale of how we made 126k in 48 hours. Now, every story needs a little context to start off, and if you're new here, for the full background, you might want to go back and listen to all the previous episodes. But briefly, back in 2017, my wife and I fired our financial advisor, cashed in our pension, remortgaged the family home, and slowly built a portfolio of five student HMOs. After that, we decided to diversify our portfolio and went looking for serviced accommodation and holiday let opportunities, which proved harder than we anticipated through 2021, which inspired me to start this podcast as a means to learn from the best, expand our network, and have some fun. The first half of 2022 was not an easy time to buy property, particularly from the other side of the world. But when I interviewed John Howard of Property Elevator and Property Graduate fame back in Season 1, Episode 19, he had this to say. Buying auction is a great, great source of finding deals. Great source of finding deals. And I have to say, 3,500 properties are put in an auction every month. If you can't find a deal out of 3,500, then I can't really help. So we then started Season 2, the auction season, in which I challenged myself to buy a UK property at auction from Hong Kong without setting foot in the UK, and all within four months. And with just two weeks to spare, we made a successful pre-auction offer on a block of four flats in a market town in Derbyshire to kickstart our portfolio, and our two-year drought was over. We completed the purchase 20 business days later, at the start of September 2022. Three weeks later, Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng, remember them? Announced their self-called growth plan which was intended to boost economic growth through tax cuts, but in fact led to an immediate depreciation of the currency, an increase in interest rates and massive financial instability. It could even be argued that it will have as much of an impact on the UK property landscape as the introduction of Section 24 just over six years ago. The immediate impact of this disastrous mini-budget, beyond the political demise of those who designed it, was the way in which it instantly transformed the property market from one supporting sellers to one benefiting buyers. This was borne out in the auction results of October 2022, which saw a 13% increase in properties for sale and withdrawn lots accounting for somewhere between 40 and 50% of all lots initially marketed. The mainstream media was predictably full of doom and gloom, discouraging all but the wisest and bravest from taking advantage of the new opportunities on offer. Many landlords, already battered and bruised from a long line of legislative measures, look to exit the sector. Conspiracy theorists might speculate that this might have been part of the plan all along in order to pave the way for big businesses like Lloyd's and John Lewis to clean up the market. But that's a story for a different day. The long and the short of it was that because these landlords were leaving the market and others were looking to sell off some of their stock to raise funds for making the most of future bargains themselves, there was opportunity. To adapt to this new landscape of superinflation, high interest rates and stressful stress tests, the most sensible business model moving forwards seemed to me to be to look for high-yielding assets at discount prices. We were looking for three-bed semis or terraced houses to run as serviced accommodation targeting contractors, offering the equivalent cash flow to an HMO, but with the added advantage of costing less to transform back into a standard buy-to-let. 
For risk management, we would need to allow for multiple exits. If, for one reason or another, the deals would not work as serviced accommodation, they would need to stack as standard buy-to-lets as a second option or to be flipped for profit as a third alternative. The starting position for all investments should always be the return of your investment before thinking about the return on investment. Now, as I said, one of the purposes for starting this podcast was to expand our network. And over the last nine months or so, we have been looking for people to work with in the holiday let stroke serviced accommodation space. The more areas of the market we can cover, the more we'll be able to take advantage of opportunities as they arise. By mid-November 2022, we had identified three separate SA managers in three separate regions of the UK, the North West, North Yorkshire and the East Midlands. So we've been constantly on the lookout for properties that would work as SA in these areas. So this was the lie of the land one day in mid-November as I browsed the unsold lots on the EIG website, which you'll remember is the platform containing nearly all properties listed in past and future auctions. I came across a three-bed semi to the northwest of Manchester in Lancashire, one of my target areas, just a seven-minute drive from an Amazon distribution centre. I checked with my Northwest SA contact and he confirmed that he believed it would work and that in fact they had been looking to add this location to their roster, so everything was looking rosy. The catalogue in which the property was being offered contained quite a few properties being sold by the same vendor. I presented the property at my weekly meeting of the Auction Buyers Club, which you will remember from Season 2 as a community of property investors unsurprisingly interested in buying at auction. Piot and Jay, who run the club, advised me that in situations like this, where one vendor is offloading a chunk of properties, you need to move fast. They also told me that this particular auction house is very straight-talking and can be a little bit abrupt to deal with, because their catalogues are so huge that they're a little bit stretched. They predicted that they would give me a price and there wouldn't be much room for negotiation. I had already been through my preliminary due diligence and run the figures through my own deal analysis spreadsheet. When targeting properties for serviced accommodation, best practice involves making sure that the deal stacks as a single let and treating SA as a bonus. There's a fair amount of noise around future legislation for SA, so it would need to work as a single let as a fallback option. So, I collected some rental comparables from Rightmove to work out a ballpark monthly figure for the likely rent as an AST. To establish how much I could borrow, I multiplied this monthly figure by 12 for the yearly total, which I then divided by 1.25, and if you're buying in your individual name, lenders will divide by 1.45. I then divided the answer by 0.0749, since at the time, the rate of interest I was quoted as an expat for a buy-to-let was an eye-watering 7.49%. After making all these calculations, and based on the rental comparables I'd found, I estimated lenders would be prepared to lend me around £96,000. This figure is of course completely dependent on the combination of the interest rate at the time of the application and either the actual rental income at the same time or the estimated rental income provided by the lender's surveyor. The figure would of course be higher now given that in the intervening few months interest rates have come down marginally while rents have increased, but those were the numbers at the time. The price paid in the end would then determine the loan-to-value, which would dictate how much money would be left in the deal at the point of refinancing. The house was advertised as available at £115,000. So after my auction buyers club meeting, I phoned them up, ready to offer the 115 k being asked. 
I have since come to learn that this particular auction house has the questionable and irritating tactic of advertising unsold lots in their catalogue at enticing prices to encourage post-auction offers. But when you call them, they tell you a different and, of course, higher price. When I told them I was interested in buying at 115 k they told me that when properties don't sell, they routinely make them available at the reserve price, which was 132 so a full 17 k higher than the advertised amount. I thought quickly and made an offer at 120 A few hours later, he came back and said they wanted more. So I asked how much more. He said he could persuade them to accept 125 So I agreed and he said he'd send me the contract and we could go through the proof of ID, etc. later on. Immediately after the call, I went back to reread the special conditions. After rereading the special conditions, I went back and re-reread the special conditions. I was in the middle of reading them for the fourth time when I got a phone call from the auctioneer saying he was really embarrassed, but the vendor now wanted 128. He then phoned again saying it's not on, and that they had authorised it at 125. The vendor was out of order, etc., etc., but that's how it was. As a point of principle, I lowered my offer to 123 and went to bed. By the following morning, which was the Friday, the auctioneer had replied by email saying that he had forwarded my lower offer and recommended that they accept. I didn't think for a minute that they would. Later that day, as the UK gradually got out of bed, I heard that someone in the Auction Buyers Club network had bought a few properties from this same vendor and he painted a different picture of what was going on. The vendor was a large property company specialising in acquiring and regenerating residential property backed by institutional funding and their own lettings division and in-house legal team. This property fund had grown so big, they own around 2,000 UK properties, that the auctioneer may not have been talking to the decision maker at the company, which might have accounted for the confusion. Either way, I didn't hear back from the auctioneer and resigned myself to losing the deal and started to look elsewhere. Later on, when I came home from work after a hard day at the expat office, there was a message on the Auction Buyers Club group chat saying that the same vendor had withdrawn their properties from the auctioneer and was offering them off-market. The properties were being sold at huge discounts and the context was that they were looking to go public and sell their shares on the stock exchange in the future and needed to show the city that they had liquidity and could raise cash quickly, which was why they were selling at effectively trade prices. Our man in the know was able to act as an intermediary, a deal broker if you like, between the vendor and those interested in buying. An online meeting of the club was set up for that same day to review the deals. There were some 15 properties up for grabs and they would be uploaded to the group chat an hour before the meeting, which would take place at 2pm UK time or 10pm Hong Kong time, which was only four hours away. There would be just one hour to do the preliminary due diligence although this was effectively reduced given that it was first come, first served, i.e. the first to register interest in a property was the first in line for that property. Now, more than one guest on this podcast has talked about the need for speed when buying a property, and this is especially true when there are bargains to be had. And if you were with us for Season 2, Episodes 35-53, to during my auction challenge, you'll know how many deals I analysed, opportunities I missed out on, but crucially, lessons I learned. My auction analysis skills had been polished, enhanced and sped up so that I was now able to skim through the list of discounts and look for ones in an area of the country where I had an SA manager lined up to take on a property for me. 
And as a quick reminder, if you subscribe to our mailing list in the top right-hand corner of the website at www.expatpropertystory.com, you'll automatically receive a free copy of my 23-step guide to analysing an auction deal. Anyway, two properties immediately stood out for me. One was in Runcorn, just to the north of Liverpool, and the other was in Southport, just to the south. I quickly checked in with my SA guy in the northwest who confirmed that they could manage them for me and that in general, they would work. Eight minutes had passed since the properties were uploaded and I registered my interest. So, I entered the next phase of my research, which was to establish the value. You can do this by first using Rightmove to look for the sold prices of three similar properties, ideally in the same postcode, or within a quarter of a mile and within the last two years. Next, you use the EPC register of each of the three comparable properties in metres. Multiply the size in metres by 10.76 to convert to square feet, and then divide the sold price by its square feet to establish the price per square foot. After doing this for all three comparables, you calculate the median price per square foot of all three properties before multiplying this median figure by the square feet of the property you're interested in to establish its ballpark GDV. Now, if this is not clear, which is quite possible, once again, it's all contained within my auction analysis guide, which is available if you join the mailing list. But if you're in a hurry, you can sign up for a free account with a website called Net House Prices, where you enter the property's address, feed in some very basic information about the property, such as whether it's a flat or a semi-detached or a terrace, and how many bedrooms it has, and it'll instantly give you a minimum, an average, and a maximum valuation. Therefore, by assuming that post-refurb you should be able to get the maximum valuation, to work out whether you have a deal or not, you just add your estimated refurb costs to the purchase price and associated costs, and whatever is left is your profit, or, if you're holding, your equity or money out. I must admit that the last part is much easier said than done in my case, as working out refurb costs is something I always need to ask someone else about. Back to the deals. All the properties being sold needed nothing more than minor refurbs, as the mission of the property fund selling the properties is to deliver quality homes with a focus on housing energy performance. So, all their properties are in areas with good fundamentals and renovated to an EPC rating of at least C. This gave me reassurance that the areas had been well researched and the homes themselves were generally in good condition. So, after running my numbers, I came to the conclusion that the property in Runcorn was overpriced, but the one in Southport looked like a bargain. Unfortunately, someone got to the Southport property before me. But, at the last minute, a house in Nottingham was added to the list. Nottingham is also a place where I have good support in terms of a build team and management. So, I immediately registered my interest just before everyone else and was first in line. The property in question was available at £150,000. A more expensive but more accurate way of determining the value of a property is via a home track report. Home track reports combine sales of all residential property types, whether they're flats, terraced houses, detached, semi-detached or whatever, and work out an average pound per square foot value based on sales that have taken place within six months of the report. 
As well as presenting rental predictions and comparables, the reports provide an estimated value range as well as a precise figure to which they attribute a level of confidence in their estimate, the three levels being low, medium and high. They're often used for providing capital gains tax valuations for HMRC, so they're probably the most accurate valuation tool available. The estimated capital value for the property in Nottingham was £210,000 and the level of confidence in this estimate was medium. So this property was being offered at arguably £60,000 below market value. It was exactly the kind of property we were looking for. A three-bed semi with off-street parking and fairly close to a major hospital and the city's ring road. It was perfect for serviced accommodation. I had an SA managing agent in place with whom I'd already had a couple of online meetings. This guy had been recommended by someone I know, like and trust. And after looking at some of the properties he manages online, we agreed to work together. So to find out what happened next, tune in tomorrow if you're listening to this on its day of release in March 2023. Or just look for episode 78 if you're listening at any other time. All that remains is for me to request that if you know someone who you think may appreciate some, any or all of the information in this or any other episode, then share the show to spread the word. You've been listening to Expat Property Story. Story.